Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We are live over on Crowdcast, the old cast, and YouTube, the old tube. Or maybe we're coming to you later as a podcast on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, the app of your choice, wherever you listen. Wherever you listen, thank you for listening. Unless you're watching, in which case, thanks for doing that with your eyes as well. Uh, We want to engage all the senses. Yeah, we've got two. Uh, when can they taste us, Alex? When well, did we, we mention we're now no, in smellovision? You can now uh, smell yes. us while we're that's finally. And it's bad. I can't be scent of my terrible. basement. It's terrible news, guys. Very exciting day. Very exciting show for you all. Now, Pete, later on in the show, you have an audience question you want to offer up, right? That's right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Wait, you're going to ask an audience question? That's right. Interesting. I'm hesitantly nervous about this. We also have two great guests for you, but I did want to read. This is kind of the wrong place in the show for it, but I wanted to read right off the top. Before you read that, Alex, I just want to say, we've given Pete trivia, (laughs) and now he wants an audience question? Uh, Do you realize how dangerous this is? He might start talking during the interviews. (laughs) (laughs) That's the final frontier. Oh, boy. So we have been asking people to leave us comments on (laughs) iTunes, specifically with questions for the live show, as well as Justin made a challenge to ask us to read a a book, read a book, read a book, book review a book. And we did get one. We got a comment the other day uh, from D Mainheart on iTunes. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to read that. And same for anybody else out there. If you want to leave us a comment on iTunes, we will not only read it in the show, uh, usually during the audience question section, but also you can challenge us to review a book. But here the headline is CBC Rules. Couldn't agree more. says, love this show. Love it so much that I'm going to take JT up on his offer and suggest a book to review. The name of the book is I Am Why Do I Need Venmo Years Old? Co-written and illustrated by the brilliant Ali Solomon, who, yes, just so happens to be my wife, whatever. Wow, <laughs> nice. There See, you go. But we, we we're finding it out though. This challenge is not meant. Feel free if you need to get into the, the comments and push what your agenda. That's what it's all about. Yeah. That's what, so that's what I would say challenge accepted, and yes. we will offer up a scathing review of this book in next oh, week's wait, show. Does that on. sound good? No, it's not. Scathing. I don't want to pre say it's going to be scathing, but I'm going to be scathing. Do you can you imagine no, what would we nice. say that someone would be scathed? They would be just absolutely burned. <laughs> I don't know. Scathing. This disgusting piece of trash. Oh, come on. That didn't Alex. deserve to see the light of day and oh, isn't fit. The that's a serious wife. Come on, man. Isn't fit the paper it's printed on is the sort of book that people get divorced over. Oh, <laughs> how about that? Is that good? That was pretty scathing, but it's hard because uh, you don't mean it. 
I don't believe yeah, you've read the material. I, no, I haven't read the book yet, but we will read the book and we will talk We're about it on excited. next week's show. So thank you, Dean Maynard. Same thing for anybody else to read the out there. <laughs> you read Homework. like 30 books for our show a week. Calm down. Yeah, I know. That's why I don't have extra room for other reading. Oh, fair enough. Now, we should also mention this week's official drink curated by Brett Macris, our CBC chef, is the Alter Ego Ooh. from the Gotham City Cookbook. Uh, cocktail book, excuse me. I always say that. But uh, yeah, Straight Bullet was saying it's kind of like an Orange Julius. Ooh, yeah. but nice. Are, did I'm you really, one? I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. That's what it says right We're a here. bunch of jerks. Underneath yeah. my hand. I really did want to, but... This is the last piece of news, and then we'll actually move on with the show. Yeah, we should start uh, the show at some point. We should start the show, but the reason I wasn't able to go out and buy a grapefruit to make this drink, because I have every other ingredient, is because earlier today, for our Riverdale podcast, Riverdale After Dark, we interviewed Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa, the showrunner yes. of Riverdale, and talked to him about season five, what went on there. We talked about a preview of season six. We broke the news to him. That there was a new season six trailer. Yeah. We broke news to him. <laughs> yeah. And amazing. maybe one of us yelled at him for a little bit. Yeah. One I don't of want us to point to who, who, but I don't know if this is right no. on your screens. No. Oh. Oh, uh, one of us um, started a business. For, for <laughs> yeah. Pitched him business <laughs> ideas. In any case, I was pretty busy editing that because I wanted to get that up today. So uh, that is now live in the Riverdale after dark feed. And that's the story of why I couldn't buy a grapefruit. Wow. <laughs> hey, we're but, not showing our age at all with the story. You're not a very good storyteller. <laughs> uh, classic O. Henry twist at the end. I'm going to leave a comment on iTunes and ask you to review that story. Okay. All right. We are going to move on and invite our first guest into the stream here. She is the creator of the new book, Artie and the Wolf Moon, which is from Graphic Universe. It's a very fun very sweet book. Olivia Stevens, Hi, everybody. everybody. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Olivia, Hi. thank you so much for coming on the show. So excited to have you here to yeah, talk about the you. book. Now, uh, this is, well, there's a bunch of twists that happened in this book. And I was trying to think <laughs> about how to explain it, because even the concept isn't necessarily in the first chapter. So how do you pitch it to people? What, what's the pitch? Like? Um... Well, it's about an eighth grader living with her single mother in Oregon. And one night she breaks curfew to take photos of the full moon because she's a budding photographer, comes across a giant wolf, runs home, and that wolf has followed her. And not only that, but the wolf then transforms back into her mother. And that's how she finds out she descends from a family of werewolves. Um, and that that whole side of her mother's heritage has been hidden from her until now. And then um, once her own powers start to manifest, that's when um, her mother decides to ingrain her in this culture for the first time and tell her not only um, about her heritage, but about the secrets of this father who died before she was born and other threats within the woods that might come and get her later on. All right. Well, you laid a lot of it out there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, like you were describing, one of the things that I really like about the book is how it keeps unfolding and getting bigger chapter yeah. by chapter. Did you, how did you plan it out? Did you have this end point in mind? Did you have this roadmap or did you start with the idea of Ooh, she sees her mom and then it exploded from there? Yeah, I think 
in the earliest iterations, the story was about a kid kind of gaining context for herself, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, coming of age stories. A lot of yeah. it is just about gaining the, the context for your life and how you came to be. And those stories have always been deeply exciting for me just because family history can be so fraught and yeah. um, entertaining and exciting. And so that's that was the seed of the whole thing. Um, and then once I kind of got the idea of photography being an element in the book too, it became more about um, kind of using these family photos and old photos from her father um, and her own modern photos to kind of tie the past and the present together as she sorts out who she is and who she will become and all that. Yeah. It's uh, it's amazing. I really love the character design, the art, and the kind of paneling. There is such a cool pace to it. Um, and the just kind of like the storytelling. What, what were some of your kind of like go-tos or inspirations for like how you were going to kind of lay out this story? Um, gosh, I, that's a hard question, but I definitely, um, this is going to be so out there, but I really love like origin stories Mm -hmm. as far as like when I was, um, growing up and watching like origin story movies, what are now considered kind of like middling medium uh, superhero movies are <laughs> that was my base so like Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man oh, had wow. like a huge impact on me I think I was like nice. eight or nine when it came out and so um, for me stuff like that where you're kind of just learning um, who someone is and like how they react to like getting new powers was exciting but um, for like how I kind of figured out how, how to lay it out that was actually more um, me being inspired by a class I was taking in art school at oh, the cool. time. Um, I was taking intro to darkroom photography. Oh, and, wow. Um, I was like, at the same time, I was working on like the idea for this story. This was my final semester at school. And I was working on the idea for this and trying to figure out how I was going to bring the pieces together and let it unfold. And like, as I was working in the darkroom, I'm like, what if we brought the dark room into the story in my other class? So yeah. Um, I guess those are kind of the things that kind of helped me figure out how I fill out the story. (laughs) I love the idea uh, of being, being a kid and being like, uh, this is my life. It's pretty normal. And then suddenly like, Nope, werewolves. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) What, what did you have when you were growing up? That was the thing that you were like, Oh, I wish this was what I fantasized about. Oh, it was all about uh, shonen manga. Um, oh, nice! <laughs> I, I fell in really hard with um, Bleach, and Bleach was like a the big one for me. That's like what made me want to start drawing. Um, wow! And also, I guess uh, I did. I read a lot of like Full Metal Alchemist, but also shoujo manga and stuff. Um, but yeah, I. There's so many influences, like the shonen and shoujo manga, but also web comics. I came into the um, wonderful world of web comics where people were just throwing people, throwing normal people into the most insane situations. Yeah. And I just, I love um, being able to write like reactions from going to a very mundane, normal place to just having all of your 
uh, conceptions of the world challenged um, and how some people might run from it. But I like to write people who just fully embrace it. And they're like, yeah, let's get weird. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite sequences in the book is is an origin story sequence where you go back in time and you kind of show the origins a little bit. It's in a very different art style. Uh, What inspired that in particular? Oh yeah. The, the quilt sequence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that kind of goes back to um, my inspirations for like, I wanted to develop sort of a werewolf folk art that could like help um, tell the story and the heritage of, this specific werewolf community. Um, Because the specific community in the book is a community of werewolves who are black, who who are majority black because they descend from freedom seekers who um, ran into the woods to escape slavery, encountered supernatural forces there, i.e. they bonded with a wolf and their family. And that's how they kind of gain their powers is um, in this bonding and acceptance of nature. Um, so the inspirations for the that sequence came out of um, some different painters and folk artists, um, specifically Aaron Douglas and um, Jacob Lawrence were huge inspirations for kind of developing the style of it. Um, but for the quilt specifically, I'd say Harriet Powers was a huge hmm. um, inspiration. And Harriet Powers was a folk artist who was born into slavery in Georgia. And she was known for her story quilts. And these story quilts um, would, you know, they depicted different celestial events that she um, was a witness to. They depicted Bible stories and all this other kind of um, history. And so that really intrigued me as something to kind of weave into uh, this story and kind of um, play with how a story can be told through a quilt. That was something um, that was really intriguing for me to explore. Cool. What about the werewolf transformations themselves? Just because there are so many different ways of hitting that in movies and TV yeah. and comics <laughs> as well. Why did you go through for the choice you did, which is pretty much straight wolf? Like they're a wolf, not a wolf person necessarily. Yeah. Um, I really love wolves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Calend- Say no more. Say no more. My calendar is wolves. Nice. Oh, oh no. She, she's going to come back and be a wolf. Oh, uh, yeah. that was my so cool. My <laughs> yeah. money is Oh, oh, there you go. You froze, you froze for a second. You're back. Uh oh. Am I back? Yes, you are back. Yes. We can hear you and okay. see you. We cool. the the bit we were doing was that you were turning into a wolf while you were frozen. Yeah. But clearly. <laughs> No. Uh, but um, you love wolves is what you were saying. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I have a bone to pick with how they're characterized mm-hmm. um, because the way we think of werewolves is a very different place as far as like actual wolf behavior mm-hmm. um, mm. and like wolves as an animal, they're very um, pack and family focused and um, the kind of, the way they've been assigned to this mindless viciousness really bothers me. Um, and the way that that viciousness has then been used to penalize them and exterminate them in many of um, the United States, it bothers me. And so I wanted to bring my feelings about the wolf as an animal to um, werewolves. And so the 
werewolves in this book are definitely molded just straight off of wolves because for me, wolves represent um, family and community building over anything else. It feels like uh, on the uh, sort of natural world of it all, like the book is so lush, the art, it feels like you really took the time to explore the the, the natural world around the story. Um, did you use a lot of like photo reference or how did you sort of come upon that? Oh, I mean, I live in the Pacific Northwest, so, ah, so you're, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's more like going outside. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah, I, I guess I just channeled um, a lot of what was already around me going out for walks and just taking a bunch of photos, but also just kind of being in that space is really inspiring and invigorating. But, yeah, I um, I live in a prime location for this setting awesome. <laughs> that I was trying to draw. I also awesome. love the kind of like the like red line action movement that you they use it you use it's such a cool kind of like highlight to not only what's happening but just kind of like movement in general your color palette was really a fun choice can you talk a little bit about like your design for like i don't know like how because the character movement is so unique and and fun especially the transformations but even just kind of like worry lines and stuff like that yeah, I guess um, for me, I I tried to fashion the motion lines to keep um, to keep in step with all of the other things, um, so that it so that I achieved you know clear communication. So a lot of the red action lines um, I used to denote that like they aren't just moving with like regular human movement. This is werewolf mu- movement. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was important for me just as a, as a distinction, um, just for clarity's sake, because I think clarity is a thing that's always on my mind as far as action is concerned. Um, cause I hope I, in, in my, um, thinking of it, I was hoping that people might pick up on, okay, these are red action lines. We read them differently than the white action lines or any other lines. So I'm glad that came through a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. That's awesome. Uh, so this is out on stands now. What are you working on next? Okay, cool. I can actually say stuff now because it just got right. announced earlier nice. <laughs> earlier in the month. Um, so I'm actually the writer for um, a series coming out from Mad Cave Studios next year. Um, and that is called The Tiger's Tongue. And it is a, a five-issue limited series it's a high royal fantasy um it's all about power and legacy and revolution and also like psychic tigers (laughs) so uh, i knew it (laughs) i knew it so there's a there's a lot going on and it's my first time just doing writing and not doing any of the art and i've just been blown away by the team that um I've been lucky enough to assemble with my editor. So we have a uh, newcomer, John Saku Bonton Perry. She'll be doing pencils. Uh, we have Bex Glending on inks and colors. And then we have Odera Igbokwe doing our amazing covers. And we have mm-hmm. Jamek Gill lettering. And Michael Mochio is editing. I'm so, I'm super psyched. I'm, that sounds amazing. I'm very excited for it. Very um, awesome. Yeah. And uh, oh, I am also illustrating 
um, the graphic novel adaptation of uh, Tristan Strong, Punches a Hole in the Sky. And that is a um, critically acclaimed fantasy uh, book series from Kwame Mabalia, and it's being adapted by Robert Venditti and Laura Langston is doing the colors on that. So that's also coming, I think, next fall. Wow. So, yeah, awesome. Those are, my, those are my things. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, Love really the book. And good luck with all of the future projects. Yes. Yes, thank you guys so much be. for having me. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Olivia. Bye. All right. Bye. There we go. Once again, the book is called Artie and the Wolf Moon. And that was so Olivia great. Stevens. It yeah. is out from Graphic Universe right now. Yeah, it is. It's a really, really good uh, book that everybody should read. It's a, it's a, such a creative, cool way to kind of tell a coming of age story like that, and just fantastic. All right, yes. Let's invite our next guest into the stream. Here he's actually a return guest to the show, though it's been oh, a while yeah. since you know. Yeah, it's been virtual, a bit. But Mark Sable, hello. Hey. Thank Yo. you, guys. Again, thank you for having me. Good back. to see you. Very excited to have you here and talking about chaotic neutral. You're, as usual for the show, successful Kickstarter. You don't even need to be here. Thanks so <laughs> yeah. much for coming, kicking you out. We still, there's still stretch goals and, and uh, you know. Yeah, Alex, you go, go to yeah, stretch. Yeah, Alex. Let him stretch. Eh. Yeah. No, that's fine. Thanks for coming. Get out of here. Support <laughs> the project. Come on. Don't Absolutely. hate success, Alex. You hate success. Yeah. So what I love about this project, though, I hate success, but the thing that I love about this project is that it's actually two things. It's a comic book, and it's also a role-playing game manual at the same time, right? Yeah. So, And I can actually hold up. It's a mock-up copy, although Ooh. the actual copy is done. Um, so you can see it looks – it's it's designed to look like an old-school um, yeah. role-playing game from, like, the 80s. Um yeah. So it's it's a 48-page comic, and then the rest of the book, which will probably be around 70, 80 pages. We're trying to get it to burst the, the, the stapling. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's an adventure module um, that's going to be compatible with, like, now that we've hit the stretch goal. So not only, like, old-school D&D, which was originally what we had, but if you're playing the current edition, like I do, fifth edition, um, there's a module that can, that you know, the module will be compatible with that now as well. Wow. So Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited because I'm not sure that anybody's ever done, like I'll now I'll like somebody will come up with it, but I don't think anybody's ever combined <laughs> them in one package before. Even though there've been great D and D comics, and you know, Kieran Gillen is doing Die, and I know he's actually going to do an entire role playing game. But um, but but yeah, this is our little indie th thing. So what goes into tackling a new role playing game? How do you start that? That feels so alien to me as a process. Yeah, it's interesting. It is, it, it, it's it's definitely a very different kind of writing. So there's a like a couple years ago, prior to the pandemic, um, I had written an adventure module that wasn't published for a company called Lamentations of the Flame Princess, which is like sort of a, an old school Dungeons and Dragons clone. And all I had written was just it was like they just gave me like a cave map, and they're like, do what you want with it. And I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, it's really interesting though, because then you write it and it's like, okay, I'm used to writing a comic and then you, 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 I hand it off to an artist or I mean, now, I mean, usually the artist is involved before I'm handing it off, but like, and then they interpret it and then that, that's it. Right. Um, and there's back and forth, but it's like, you know, I play tested the, the first module I wrote and then you're like, oh my God, like you try to account for everything that a player might do, but I mean, it's both the, the thing that makes it hard, but the thing that makes it so much fun is like, players are always going to surprise you. And yeah. for me, I just, um, 
you know, like the way that I run, I, I've been running a Dungeons and Dragons game now for, geez, for like, I don't know, it feels like, I think it's around five years, like every Wednesday. Wow. Um, and it's, I don't like to, they, you know, it's like railroad the players. Like I like to sort of create a sandbox for them to play in and let their decisions, let their decisions like define the story and like let them create their characters and then I'll build off. And it's, I mean, you guys know like improv experience. It's sort of, it's like that. I mean, and you know, so so trying to write a module is like you try to you try to like give room for players to you have to give some structure so that there's some story, there's a place to explore or places to explore, like in this in this story. Um, like I created a town, I created a dungeon, there's a little wilderness area around it. Um, so you have boundaries, but then within that to like let them do what they want. And I mean the book's called Chaotic Neutral, not because you have to play it that way, but because there's so many or, you know, although I mean, there's story reasons for the comic for that. But for the module, it's like I want people to be able to approach it any way they want. So, like, if you want to stop the evil devil worshiping priests, go ahead. If you want you should, to you should them, do that, you could you also join them. Um, you know, if you want to just sort of like play both sides against the other and do your own thing, you, you can do that. So that's the, the both the challenge. And I think to me, the fun of writing something is that is like now I'm not just handing it over to an artist and then for to a reader I'm, I'm i am doing that but i'm also handing it to players and dungeon masters to sort of make it their you know make it their own i'm mm-hmm. hopefully giving them enough tools to do that but also giving them enough so that they can you know so that it feels like it's their world as well as mine in doing a comic and a game um how did you sort of order them did you uh, do the game side and then like oh i'm gonna put some characters sort of in this world and then jump back and forth or was it a very like a to b thing uh, it's, it really, it started with the comic. Like yeah. the, the idea was for me, like I love Dungeons and Dragons, but I love, and I should mention the artist, Chris Anderson is such a, I mean, he's not just the artist, he's the co-creator and, and very much in all senses of the word. I mean, in fact, like part of the way I recruited him was by, you know, getting him into my Dungeons and Dragons campaign. <laughs> Smart. Smart it was guy. a good way of also testing like how well you know people are going to collaborate even though i loved his art and so i wasn't really a test for him but um but yeah so the idea the original idea for this was so you know there was like i grew up in the 80s um and uh, you know like dungeon dragons was different then um in ways both good and bad um but you know there was this thing called the satanic panic oh which, yeah oh yeah you know where so for people who are watching who don't know or listening that don't know what that is, it was, you know, religious groups particularly, but just parents in general, like freaked out and thought Dungeons and Dragons like really would, you know, let you summon the devil. And, uh, you know, there's a famous, and we do a little take on it with, with the help of Ryan Brown, uh, the artist uh, and creator of, uh, co-creator of like, uh, God Hates Astronauts and Curse Words. Um, uh, there was an artist named Jack Chick who uh, did these things called Chick Tracks, which were like these, religious you know super religious christian things that would tell you like anything good it's bad um you know and he only passed away recently so right up until the walking dead but he did one called darkest dungeons that really caught on and you would see like so um but anyway the idea was i wanted to sort of capture as a comic a little bit of what made um of what made those early D things fun that, that that they had this air of danger that you know you would see these like you know, painted covers. And then you'd see like the black and white art, which I think Chris has done a great job of capturing, which was sometimes the old black and white art was amateurish, but it was always, which I, which Chris is, is certainly not, but it was always really inventive and, and dangerous and just like, 
Um, so I wanted to have that stuff, but also because it's the 80s, I wanted, you know, and it's 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 2021 now, like I wanted it to feel more inclusive. So like um, I was I was joking around like I wanted, you know, like it, it's not that there's like no nudity or violence, but it's sort of like equal opportunity. And the cast is <laughs> is definitely like more diverse um, racially, uh, you know, gender, sexual, like sexual orientation than you would have seen in the 80s. So. I wanted to capture yeah. like you know, capture that feel. And then so it started with that comic. And then the idea was like, well, if we're going to do it as a comic, like, wouldn't it be cool like to have to be able to play in that world? And then that became sort of the high concept mm. of like, OK, well, like this will be, you know, when we go to Kickstarter, we can ask, we can hopefully hit like comic people and gamers and people who do both. Yeah. So speaking of the Kickstarter, you are, I'm looking at it right now, you're at 13,300 of your 8,000 goal. So congratulations, first of all. Second of all, what, at this point, I assume that's going to cover the printing of this. What are the stretch goals? What are you looking for next? So I'll tell you what we've hit already, which is pretty cool. Um, We've hit like, okay, so we hit like a, a PDF of like behind the scenes stuff. So you'll get the scripts, all of Chris's, like designs, which are amazing. And honestly, like, like, and so everybody gets that. Um, we converted the module for like the latest edition of Dungeons and Dragons. Everybody gets that. Um, we, uh, I, I think we've, we're also offering like a die somewhere in there. Um, but yeah. the next tool that we're, that we're going for is um, these sort of paper cutout miniatures or cardboard cutout miniatures. So basically you get like, it's like a cardstock sheet and you get uh, there each, it's like four sided. But like one side is blank, the other three sides show three different sides of the of each character, and then you can cut them out, fold them up, and and this is like old older uh, role playing games had them, and I, yeah. I, I thought of it had the prop in front of me, of so it's a that will also be something that everybody gets that we hit at fourteen thousand five hundred, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. So, um, but I would lo- really I really want it to happen just because I love for everybody to get something physical. Um, and just be able to have fun with it. And it's, I, you know, it's, it'll be, I mean, we have stuff planned beyond that, but I'm, I'm, I'm not supposed to say what it is, but I, I will say there's definitely more cool goals, more physical goals too. Um, and the idea is to try to, you know, to try to have those goals be things that are not just add-ons, but are things that everybody gets. So you, you know, you don't feel like, you know, so, so there's a, it, it's, it, it feels like we're all in this kind of together. Right. Nice. Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, cool. So what else is going on with you at this point, Mark? You always have a lot of irons in the fire, so to speak. I'm, I'm very, yeah, I feel very fortunate, um, that I, that I do. Uh, I have, so the next thing that will be coming out is I want to say next week, uh, October 27th, I'm always afraid with all these global shipping delays is I did a Kickstarter back in 2013 for, um, Draculus. It's a book called Dracula, Son of the Dragon that, uh, the backer should be getting copies soon, um, and it should also be in stores through Dark Horse Comics and Comicsology Originals. Um, cool. Then in November, I did a book called Miskatonic um, through Aftershock, which was um, a uh, like a Miskatonic is basically like this Lovecraftian story, but it's told it's a it's a it's noir meets Lovecraft, and it's like historical cool. fiction of one of the first female FBI agents in the Red Scare in the 1920s gets sent by J. Edgar Hoover to investigate what are supposed to be a series of anarchist bombings, but there's a supernatural element in it. So it's sort of like a, 
1920s X-Files, but with a noir twist. So the wow. we already have like one trades already out from Aftershock. I'll, I can I can hold that up. Um, nice. And that did. Uh, awesome. and thankfully, it did well enough that they decided to do in November. There's going to be a giant size special. So it'll be by giant size. It's like 40 pages, but it's going to be magazine size. Um, Ooh. Uh, it's if you like Cthulhu, you'll 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 like that issue. Uh, I love Cthulhu. The love him. No, love that guy. But hate uh, success, love Cthulhu. Weird I, combo. I'm with you on that. I'm uh, you know I, I I try to root for other people's success as much as I can, but it's sometimes you know and there, there were lean years where it was hard to do that. But um, yeah, but uh, so artist is Giorgio Pontrelli on that, and then Jeremy Hahn, who's wonderful, um, is yeah. doing covers for that so so that's what i have coming out and then there'll be i guess at, at new york comic-con we didn't announce the title or what the book's about but you could see it's science fictiony um uh, uh another book from aftershock so uh that'll be out next year so i've been yeah i'm just i'm so glad to just keep that people keep giving me work and so glad for people that have supported the kickstarters um I love the. Uh, I'll, I'll explain because I'm looking at the chat that that somebody made fun of the fact I think that or or just look like that I have the least satanic background in the background. <laughs> like Lego, essentially little Lego modular house buildings and in, in the back with little people. I don't know. Have you ever stepped on a Lego? That's like it comes from hell. Evil. This is straight hot spur from hell. I have. <laughs> I, I, I have. Um, and then somebody else commented, asked about Doug Henning. So. Ryan Brown is doing, I mentioned in the, and then I, I don't want to take up any more time, but like, uh, oh, Ryan Brown is, I said, is doing this, like, and everybody gets it like this, this, this fake chick track. And, um, part of the joke is like, oh, so D and D is real magic. And so I was like, well, it's the eighties. Like, how can I not make a Doug Henning reference? So, um, for those of you who remember, he was this flamboyantly really like crazy, uh, magician that. I, you know, I miss um, just a try hard magician. There's a picture. Yeah. And it's so it's so funny. Of It's like an album cover or something where a book cover. And it's him holding a little sparkle. If you're familiar <laughs> with it. It's so yes, funny. Yes. Look it up. Love it. I have to I gotta have to absolutely look that up. Thank you. Awesome. Mark, thank you so much for coming on. Congrats on the success of the Kickstarter and good yeah. luck on more. At this yeah. point, people have nine days to pledge. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, chaotic neutral. It should be. I want to say it's, yes, the twenty seventh or twenty eighth. Uh, it's twenty eighth that it ends. So right. uh, I'm good at math, but I believe that's nine days. Awesome. So everybody, go pledge it. Mark, thank you so much. So good to see you again. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Looking forward to seeing you guys. Good luck, man. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. someday. Take All right. Care. Bye. Take care. All right, there we go. Once again, that's Mark Sable. The project is called Chaotic Neutral. So it's such a cool it. idea. It's Comic such a cool idea, and it's a game. Yeah, it's Come two on. things. Bruce Wayne may appear to be a wealthy playboy, but beneath his facade, his true identity is that of the Batman, waging an endless war against crime. Join the Caped Crusader in Batman The Audio Adventures, the first scripted audio original featuring Batman and his villainous rogues gallery in a world premiere story of life and death in Gotham City, debuting exclusively on HBO Max. Starring Jeffrey Wright as Batman and a who's who of incredible Saturday Night Live alums, this rollicking adventure, told across 10 episodes, is written and directed by Emmy winner Dennis McNicholas, includes devilishly delightful original music by Doug Bossy, 
and performances by Rosario Dawson, John Leguizamo, Chris Pronell, Melissa Villasenor, Seth Myers, Jason Sudeikis, Brooke Shields, Fred Armisen, and many, many more. Go to hbomax.com slash Batman Audio Adventures for more and stream Batman the Audio Adventures only on HBO Max. And we are going to move to our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It's your audience question. Just real quick before we dive in, uh, I'll put it in the chat, but um, Doug Henning, I just looked him up and he's listed when you search him as Canadian magician. And what a what a combination. Wow. Wow, that's lovely. Uh, so yeah, for your audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question here and ask a question on Crowdcast or drop something in the comments over on YouTube. Either way, or as mentioned, if you're listening to later, drop something in the comments on iTunes. And we will read them and ask him during the show. But Pete, I hear yes. a little birdie tells me you have an audience question. Do you want to Well, something off? I thought might be fun. Um you know, this is because, you joining the audience in a way, right? I'm just wondering uh, if you guys, because you only I heard you only had a short time with uh, you know your interview today. Do you guys have questions you wish you could have asked uh, that you would like to? Oh, know? of Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa. That's that's right. Yeah. Oh, mm. this feels well, like a leading question. This feels like yeah, a why don't I go <laughs> while you guys are thinking. Why why don't I go? Why? Uh, oh, okay. What was your question that you? Oh, did you well, have a I, lot of? Well, I wanted to kind of ask him. I feel like this is a logic problem uh, or some sort of mental trap. No, I just, I'm surprised we didn't get, uh, you know, obviously we didn't have a lot of time with him, you know, only like 20 minutes uh, that he could uh, spare. Um, But, you know, I wanted to kind of talk to him about his, you know, he kind of takes a hard stance and opens people's eyes when it comes to bunkers. If you're going to build a bunker, eventually teens are going to turn into a sex bunker and it's just Mm going to be an issue. And the fact that he's putting that message out there, it's like, you know, bunkers aren't just what you make them for. They can quickly turn into sex bunkers, you know, all kinds of stuff. So I would have liked to talk to him about maybe his bunker experience or it's interesting. What I really wanted to ask him about that I didn't have a chance to ask about was business stacking. Like when you're going to take a business, does it double the business if you pile it on top of another business, like say a diner on top of a club or something like that? Or alternately, if you sideways stack it, like if you put a boiler room next to a casino, does that double the profit for both of them? I'm always very interested in that sort of thing. I was going to ask him, um, and forgive me if anybody said this, but about bunkers and just like, like a sex <laughs> bunker. Uh-huh. So, do you think? Do you, I'm sorry we didn't get to it. That would have been a really good. Uh, seriously, though, I did want to. We didn't have time to talk about his comics work, but I yeah. wish we were able to talk about Afterlife with Archie and some of the Sabrina stuff because, as we know, the Sabrina um, comic is going to continue the series that we, uh, the much loved series. I would have loved to have geeked out and talked out with him. He said, Yeah, he what, started 20 long boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that he told us in the podcast was that he was at home a couple of weeks ago going through his 20 long boxes looking at his old comics. And I was definitely like, I want to talk about that. Come yeah. on our live show. Come Please. on. Yeah. That would be Come on. what's in there. What has he got? What's in the box? What's in the what's box? A- <laughs> nice. That's what I wanted to know. What's okay. in the bottle is the better question. What are you drinking oh. tonight? I can kick it off. I'm drinking a Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA. Which nice. is very strong. Yeah, that's going to really send <laughs> you thinking. You. 
here's me just doing the Passover nice. from one Miller nice. High Life to it's another. The champagne of beers. Nice. Now we're celebrating. What a day we had today, you know? Mm-hmm. A Pacifico? Yeah. Nice. Just the old uh, standard, you know what I mean? Not much fanfare for you from your Pacifico beer choice, Pete. I love mm. a Pacifico. Yeah, me uh, too. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay, this is from Kevin. Since the new Lego Star Wars special included an adaptation of Charles Soule's The Rise of Kylo Ren, what other comic book title or storyline would you like to see adapted in, excuse me, Lego animated form? <laughs> in Lego <laughs> animated form? You're being yeah. force choked right now. I think uh, so. Interesting. What other comic book? Oh, Edward necessarily... says Mouse. That's a great suggestion. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Heavy for the Lego world. I will say, though, the Lego world, they don't shy away from covering anything. No, yeah. they really don't. They, they get pretty raw there. Yeah. Speaking of which, the old uh, Come X collection with an X, raw, that would be great to see in Lego form. That would be fun. Uh, I don't what know what you're talking, talking about? about. Yeah. Oh, that was one of the original alt comics weekly as it was run originally by Art Spiegelman, who did Mouse. I got you. I see. It was a uh, quarterly, I believe. Wow. <laughs> cool. Uh, nice. Uh, Learn your history, dudes. All right, I man. thought you were making it. Sorry, joke, not right? everything's DC and Marvel. Oh, wow. Indie beat. Alex on the <laughs> yeah, indie exactly. beat over here. Exactly. Uh, what would I actually want to see in Lego Star Wars form? Or Lego form, I guess. Lego form. Um, <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm going to throw out Infinity Gauntlet as mm-hmm. uh, my mm-hmm. answer. Something that's epic, a lot of characters, get to see the mm-hmm. Lego, a lot of action, because I love the way that uh, the Lego sort of projects convert things um, to Lego form. Pete? I think uh, I'm going to go with uh, Breaking to Electric Boogaloo, uh, mm-hmm. just because like breakdancing Legos is fun to watch. You know what I mean? Nice. Nice. Are you I'm talking about the you didn't comic? Go for, yeah. That was. Did you read that adaptation from Marvel? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from Marvel. Wow. Name, what happened to your name? Any publisher? Mar- what happened to your indie cred? What happened to your yeah, indie cred? Yeah, what happened? Brain fast. exploded or turned off in the middle Top of the sentence. Did you read the one from Top Shelf? Nice. How about that? Marvel. <laughs> Marvel. Ooh, that Voodoo Ranger is starting to hit. I'll tell you what. Um, cool. Great question, Kevin. Let's move on to one here from uh, YouTube. Stanley says, did you guys see anything at DC Fandom you were very excited for? Ooh, oh. what about you guys? Anything from DC Fandom you saw that you were excited for? Um, Alex, it was my birthday this past weekend, and I just didn't have time <laughs> hey! to answer the You no. didn't treat yourself Happy to a four-hour live stream? Uh, wow. No, I did not. I know. Also, my children, not they're not tolerant of the dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not gonna go into the dome with you no they won't enter the dome they're uh, not dome heads yet my no. kids actually asked about entering the dome and i was because they have dc kids fandom which has a bunch of activities and a live stream for kids and other things and i was like yeah yeah it's during this time and they're like great going downstairs watching tv goodbye nice <laughs> uh, like, okay what'd you do for your birthday guy um my uh, wife and I, uh, we mm-hmm. uh, rented a house upstate and invited my family and her family because my wife's birthday is this Saturday. And um, we uh, hung out. We There's a hot tub in the place. And then on Saturday night, we played Family Feud, my family versus her family. Oh, boy. It was great. We yeah. won, naturally. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, otherwise you wouldn't have brought it up. 
<laughs> it was no shame has... Family Feud. Yeah, uh, it was great. Um, I'll tell you what, that was my favorite thing from DC Fandom as well. No, Dustin's <laughs> birthday was my Family favorite. Feud. Yeah, they brought it up we a did, bunch of times. Did. It was very good. It, it was part of DC Fandom. Um, uh, I don't Alex, know. Tell us was... about the dome. Well, yeah, tell us so... about the dome. So it's an interesting, I, I think it's an interesting thing, at least, because the first DC Fandom was one of the first really big virtual events, and it was also a shocking, huge success. Like, yeah, it you say that absolutely every time you it. talk about it. Let's well, because I do think in terms of, it's important to remember that, because that was a year ago, and a lot of other virtual events have come in between, and none of them have really touched it. They had a second one where they rolled out a bunch of TV stuff, which I thought there was a lot of fun stuff at, but it didn't make the same impact as the first one. Here's what I think was the joy and the tragedy of this DC fandom Ooh. is they mixed everything together. They did what they should have done the first time, which is not exactly equal, but they basically would go from like the, if I remember the order correctly at the beginning, it was, they had black Adam and it was the first footage from black Adam, which was surprisingly brutal. Like the rock mm. literally turning a dude into a skeleton with his lightning. Yeah. So pretty intense going into a big announcement, not big announcement about the flash TV show where they showed off his new costume and talked about what's coming up in the upcoming season. Uh, and then they it went to a field. The, they just had that cover for the stupid fucking treadmill. <laughs> fucking. Flash. What are you talking about? The, <laughs> the big reveal you raving about there. You know, they pulled off the tarp for the fucking cosmic <laughs> treadmill, which is such a dumb thing. No, to they have. didn't. You just don't like treadmill. What are you talking about? What it was, was all... that thing with the tarp then, bro? What was that? I don't know. There was no tarp in the announcement. <laughs> in the teaser, there's a Oh, you know, tarp. you're I you're right, actually. I remember over the course of the four hour live stream, they're like Coming up later in the live stream, the trailer for the Batman and what's under that tarp. <laughs> I feel bad because I got Pete a regular treadmill for his birthday. And now I, I feel like he's think you're hate talking it. about the actual teaser for the flash that came out, yeah. which has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Oh they unveiled his new costume and they talked about the season. My point is I was getting to something that you would actually enjoy Pete. Jesus Christ. No, I'll get to it all After that, stuff. they had a milestone panel where they talked about milestone comics yes. and it was oh, echo nice. Kellum who used to be on arrow talking to two of the dudes from Milestone about their upcoming slate. They made some announcements, some TV announcements, some movie announcements, mostly comic book announcements. And what I thought was so cool about it was the live stream kept bouncing between those things. It kept bouncing between TV stuff, movie stuff, comic book stuff, video game stuff. Occasionally they'd plug some products. Todd McFarlane came on at one point and talked about all the new statues they're making and all of those things. So I thought I love, as somebody... I love statues. Well, he was talking about it, you know, Todd McFarlane gets, like, very passionate about this stuff. So I think, like, the thing that I liked about it as a fan of most of, if not all of these things, is like, oh, this is a great variety. It's giving equal time to Milestone, which deserves equal time and a bigger platform than just saying Black Adam, The Flash, Batman, all of these movies in a row, like the first one. But I think it was honestly frustrating for a lot of fans who don't care about that stuff. So it didn't make the same impact as the first time or potentially even the second time because it did have that broad focus. Uh, but at the same time, I think DC did the right thing by really giving it that broad focus, really focusing on all of those things. What I would also argue, like, 
it helps them to be like, hey, just watch this. It's all stuff mm-hmm. we're excited about. And then you're like, I'm waiting for the Batman stuff. And then you see, maybe you see something cool in the milestone thing. You're like, oh, I'm going to check that out. Like it, it, it's how you expand interest. And absolutely, absolutely. To be sour on that is just like you don't get it. Yeah, the absolute best thing that happened to the live stream though is they did these segments throughout where Candace Patton, who plays Iris West Allen on The Flash, would pop in and do a news flash, and. It was legitimately like her doing these tiny little news bits that were not the bigger things of somebody having a full conversation about what's coming up in Batwoman season three or anything like that. But it also it varied from she interviewed the star of Naomi, which is based on the comic book on the CW, did a great fun interview there. Uh, She plugged the new Wonder Woman crossover that's coming to D.C. next year. And it was all delivered as a newswoman, as Iris West Allen. And it was awesome. Like, it was a super fun segment, and it actually did a really good job of bringing everything together and making it feel like a cohesive program rather than three hours, four hours of stuff just happening, which was kind of great. So, again, the best thing I think about it, which was the same as the first time, it's a really slick, well-produced live stream. Like, they killed it there, and that is not easy to do. No. No, we like we do one every week, and it's no. very slick and very well produced, but not mm. in a dome. Yeah, I'm in a dome. We're missing. Yeah, you're in a house that's not a dome. Basically. Pete, uh, they also had news about Aquaman two, and very exciting. They talked about how more intense and serious it's going to be. Oh, all right, Perfect. just what we all <laughs> right. Longer, yeah. more intense. <laughs> Get rid of the octopuses playing drums. You know, the thing that made it palatable the first time around. Yeah, as somebody who didn't watch any of the Dome, I was just happy that YouTube started blowing up with sick trailers for stuff. <laughs> yeah, finally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do we think about the uh, the Batman? The, the Batman? Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the real drop, Hit Monkey. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, they didn't do that at DC fandom, since that's a Marvel thing. <laughs> but, all right. uh, I uh, was very underwhelmed by the Batman trailer. What? Yeah, I don't know. Really? Yeah. Oh I mean, God. it looks nice. Who <laughs> nice. are you? Yeah, it's nice. very it's very well filmed. I'm sure nice. I will like it better when I see it, because I go see every Batman thing, and I usually like them pretty much well, fine, but... I I think it looks like there's more of a, a swing here, and I, yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah. But I will say I think we have we're suffering from Batman burnout just in mm-hmm. general. It's like we every time it's like oh yeah. this is we're doing another Batman, and, and it's it's, it's actually similar. not interrupt you, but I like to call it fatigue. Oh, <laughs> oh man, oh, marble. Uh, <laughs> Um, doctor, doctor, I have a bad case of fatigue. <laughs> Excuse me. I just felt like, I don't know, maybe it was I was put off by the beginning because I was into it and they were definitely hyping it up the entire live stream. So I was like, here we go. I've been sitting here for four and a half hours. Bring yeah, it on. Let's do it. Like no, 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 well, no. I like this. This is going to be a shocker on our comic book podcast. I like Batman. Okay. Oh, wow. I, okay, I get excited okay. about it. I'm just well, going to have a hot take. But well, the way I, that they, they started off, to, they wanted to wait so long so you can get used to the idea of a three-hour experience when it relates mm-hmm. to Batman. 
Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, I also really like how Matt Reeves talks about it. He's very excited about it. And he's clearly thought a lot about Batman and what Batman means. What? Uh, in the comments, Stray Bull is like, this is when Alex talks about the structure of the trailer. <laughs> yeah. That's correct. a scathing burn, right? That's a scathing <laughs> comment right there. That's what I was getting towards. That's the scathing shit that we don't do. That's My problem was the first right scene. The first scene where they were like, go they go in, for anybody who hasn't seen it, in the first scene, there's a SWAT team that's closing in on a diner. Very nice shot. They come in, they get the guy, it's Paul Dano as the Riddler. We know that because we know what's going on there, but you don't necessarily know it in the trailer. They knock him down on the uh, on the counter. And this entire time, I'm like, okay, this is intense. This is pretty intense. What's going on? And then they have this, this slow padding shot over a cup of coffee. And I was like, what's going on on the cup of coffee? And it was the Riddler had made latte foam art of a question mark. That was the point where I laughed out loud and I was in the trailer lost me. It lost me right from the beginning. I could not stop picturing the Riddler being like, I'm going to jump over the counter. Can we steam this milk? I have to pour it very carefully. Oh, better not spill it as I put it on the counter. And then sitting there for hours, hours waiting for somebody. And then the cops don't even notice. They don't even notice his cool Alex, latte foam art question But when you get handed a coffee, you can put a stir straw in there and mess with the picture, which is probably what happened. Like, chill out. He wasn't waiting. Are you the fucking Riddler? <laughs> Are you the fucking Riddler? Is that what you're telling me? Huh? <laughs> fucking uh, I love you. Jesus. What's that? Are you trying to say it's easy to make foam art? Because no. No. It is it's, not easy. It's hard. Oh, we're telling Pete. Okay. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Pete's saying, like, it's easy to do that. No, no, I'm telling you, no. That's a craft. Riddle me foam. Riddle me foam. <laughs> Riddle me foam, Batman. Oh, man. Another clue yeah. in a I dairy thought, product. This for the first curd. time, I was excited about the Batman movie. There's a ton of hype behind it. Everybody's losing their minds. I was like, man, 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 man. But at this trailer, I was like, oh, shit, this could be something. This really looks interesting. Um, and, yeah, I really liked it. When I saw pictures of the Batmobile, I was like, go fuck yourself. That's not the Batmobile. But then when you see it in action. and what like, it's go fuck tra- yourself. That's I not was the like, Batmobile. Wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Again, Pete, famously the Pokemon named go fuck yourself. That's all <laughs> he said. <laughs> Well, there you go. Hope that answered some sort of question there. This is over to Straight Bullet. When the last season of Riverdale airs, how would you want the series to wrap up for our characters? Where do Archie, Betty, Veronica, and Jughead end up? And who do you think they end up with? What happens to Cheryl, Tony, Fangs, and Kevin? Will Pete and Justin still be friends? Oh! I guess it depends on who Betty ends up with, if Pete and I will be friends. That's right. In a lot of ways. Uh, Man, I don't know. I... Not to keep talking about this interview we have, but I appreciated the fact that he said the end was far off and they hadn't figured it out yet because we didn't necessarily. This is an actual question that I wanted to ask him in the interview that we didn't have time for is whether he knows if there's a plan to go one more season, two more seasons, anything like that. Like if he how many seasons he has his plan in his head, but it sounds like he'll keep going as long as they want him to at this point. That's the right answer. And I also, though, I uh, to the point he was making, he's like, I don't know who's going to end up together. We got they had a lot of life to live. Like, obviously, um, you know, he 
Archie's probably going to be with Betty, and then no, they're going to keep don't. going, and no. then we'll see. Well, they're having babies. We saw that in the no, trailer don't. today. Stop with that. What was that the line? Awful. Betty says, I can't wait for you to put a baby in me. I think so. No. Like I don't know if no, it's quite that out. Not... <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, this is... Uh... It was, it's heartbreaking. I mean, the good news is he he does feel that anything's possible. He doesn't, it, he's not trying to put something on these characters. They're kind of watching the characters live and making choices that way, which is, gives us hope. But uh, I, I hope, I also hope that he, you know, listens to what he's kind of set up in the beginning and return back to form as far as who should be with who, you know what I mean? So can I give a little peek behind the curtain here? Uh, so I can tell you we're going to do this. Yeah, yeah. So I was, so again, I edited the podcast after the interview, after doing it, and one of the things that I'll usually try to do, this is not too shocking or anything like that, but like cut down on some of the pauses, like particularly between something the guest says and one of our next questions. Most of the time we pick it up real quick. An example would be like in this episode, when you were like, Marvel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'll go back. And Marvel. Edit. I'll definitely. You go just back said Marvel. Yeah, you yeah, say yeah. Really like Marvel. Yeah. Marvel. Marvel. Oh, yes. you swatch it. You slip it over to where you say something really like uh, Fantagraphics or something very mm-hmm. esoteric. So, so I certainly cut out a lot of pauses between what he was saying and what we were saying in the podcast because occasionally we wouldn't quite pick it up as quickly. It was not like a very long pause, but there was a pause. The one pause that I left because it was too funny <laughs> was when. Pete went on his rant about Bughead and started yelling at the showrunner of Riverdale about Bughead and how he had grown up watching Bughead. Yeah, you I'm you sure, raised this us. Is like a, this is literally a post-interview section of their love, you know, and then but just Pete, ripped it away from us. Pete kept saying this thing like we were born and raised on Bughead. We, I was just like, what are you even talking about right now? Born and raised. Oh my god! Which was funny on it. The season one is the start of Riverdale. It's the birth of this idea, and he raised. That wasn't even the point. That was totally. I actually, I honestly get what you're saying. It was just funny to hear you say it that way, and I appreciate that you said it in whatever way you said it. But then afterwards, his reaction was, "Don't you like Jughead and Tapitha?" He said it like that, and the the pause that I left was after that, because it was too funny for him to be like, don't you like Jenga and Tabitha? Yeah! Yeah. (laughs) No, you did not say yeah definitively. Your voice went so high after that, because you were like, like, do I tell him the truth? Can I say to this man who's been so amazing and nice and done great work, I mean, (laughs) unbelievable work, we're talking for all about the show. for all the Pete heads out there. If you want to hear Pete actually <laughs> censor himself ever so briefly, <laughs> tune into this podcast and see him answer that question with a hey, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> or whatever sound that came out of your mouth. Um, but to answer the question about this, you know, I am uh, obviously a, uh, a Barchi shipper. Like I want Betty and Archie to be together. Um, make and sense. outside of that, I think. Let it go. Let's see where we let's see where we land. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the places that they took them after the time jump is the places that I would have said, yeah, that's where they should end up. And then they did end up there and that didn't work out. So at this yeah. point, who knows? I don't know. Maybe more bears. Maybe more bears. Yeah, by Barchi I mean bear and Archie. 
just mm-hmm. to be clear. Oh, cool, cool. This is from Nelson Martinez on YouTube. After listening to Why the Cancellation Man on yesterday's podcast uh, about Why the Last Man, are there any other shows you guys think got canceled? Excuse me, too early, quickly. I thought it was getting better. Uh, yeah, I mean, why the, just to take that in two parts, Why the Last Man, it's a, such a bummer. That show I, I thought was really good and was um, getting better as the season went on. Uh, very excited to see how the season ends. And the announcement was of the, it being canceled at episode seven in the release of episode seven is so strange to me. Like maybe something else is up here. Well, uh, just to interrupt about that, not to turn this into a Why the Last Man podcast, but uh, there was a report on uh, THR, the Hollywood Reporter today, where they went to a little more in depth about what went down with the cancellation. And apparently, because of all the multiple delays on the show, and this is not just because of COVID, but also because they switched showrunners, I believe, twice. They switched stars. So many things going on behind the scenes. They kept having to extend and extend the cast contracts. And the cast contracts ultimately were going to run out on October 15th. So they needed to make a decision whether they're going to pick it up or not. And the absolute wild detail that I feel like has to be a mistake in the Hollywood Reporter story, though maybe it isn't, is that FX did not have any viewing data from Hulu to work off of because Hulu does not provide viewing data externally, Yeah, which is insane. That is like, insane. Legitimately insane that they wouldn't give it to FX, who has a hub FX on Hulu. But it yeah, sounds like... You're friends. Like we t- yeah, like we talked about on the podcast, it was not FX. It was with Disney. That's where the decision lies. They push them. And ultimately, they're going to try to shop it around. But I think it's just going to be too much of a lift to get it going somewhere else. Yeah, especially once the actors are released. It's like, how are you going to pull that cast back together? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's tough. Um, but other things that got canceled too early, I guess our Doom Patrol podcast is one that sort of got cut oh, off. Right dude, people's emotions. Yeah, it was man. a real bummer that they canceled it. Oh, yeah. come on, dude. You know, I cannot wait day. for the new yeah. season. Mm-hmm. Disney. Disney canceled it. Disney. Deadly Class is the one that I'd call out. Deadly Class yeah, got canceled too early. Call. That was really getting going and Haiti getting cut Keen a while. got canceled too early. Yeah. Pushing Daisies is a great one. One of my favorite shows ever. That definitely got Sabrina. canceled too early. Also, Hannibal, while we're talking Brian Fuller shows. Maybe that got canceled at the right time because it has three perfect seasons. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Wow, Wonderfalls, Kevin. Yeah, I never, I never loved Wonderfalls. I know a lot Wonder of people Falls like is good. it. Yeah, I, there was something about it. Like I love Brian Fuller shows, but there was something about it that never quite hit with me. But it was the falls you didn't like. Yeah. Oh, there's also. I feel like I bring this up every now and again, but there was this show called Journeyman with Kevin McKidd. It was this time travel show, and he yeah. basically could only travel in his own timeline, uh, and. The thing that was so awesome about the show, if you've never seen it, track it down, is he constantly kept changing his own timeline. Like, it was not one of these shows where he's like, travel back in his timeline, he comes back and everything's normal after he solves a mystery. It'd be like, travel back in his own timeline, solve a mystery, and then he comes back and his wife is dead. And it just, over the course of, I think it was 18 episodes, it just getting worse and worse and worse for him. Uh, So it was like Quantum Leap, but... This but, like but messed cu- up, but, but up. messed up. But yeah, this cumulative effect there. Great stuff. Uh, really. Just good. a couple of the comments that I wholeheartedly agree with. Cloak and Dagger, one of our favorite shows that we did a podcast on. Yeah. Uh, Deep cut from Jolene, the Adventures of Briscoe County Junior. My brother and I watched that show so hard. Love uh-huh. that show. 
that show was wi- absolutely wild. It was a Western with all this like modern stuff in it. And then like a whole sci-fi angle. Um, and I'm going to throw out there uh, the adventures of Pete and Pete. Uh, that's a show that I wish <laughs> would, was still good. Yeah. Patreon and, Amazon. Yes. And I'll throw out two from Netflix. One teenage bounty hunters. If you never watched that, watch the first what? season of it. It's awesome. It's yeah. so good. Shockingly good. Uh, and and it got other... some good heat too. That one was a yeah. surprise. I know so the uh, the woman who created that show, and I was, couldn't believe that they pulled the plug on that. Yeah, and the second one I'll throw out Glow from our fan. Oh yeah, definitely Glow. Still very bitter that we're never going to get to see the end of Glow because they were like they could have finished it. They had one season. They we were, were going to, and then one. COVID. Yeah, and then all the you know like Luke Cage, Punisher, you know those like shows like come on. Nah, that's all right. Uh, this is from yeah. Ben the Border Collie. Al Frankencastle, is this anything? Pete, is that anything? Ooh, nope. yes. <laughs> oh, okay, apparently not. All right, there we go. I, it sounds like something. Yeah, it definitely sounds like something. Uh, this is from Jolene. In Big Two Superhero Comics, is the relationship between police and superheroes too ingrained in the origin of these comics to change? Or is this issue too complex to expect writers to come up with alternative solutions that the real world hasn't even figured out? Excuse me. What do you think can be done with police in these stories based on characters created for children, in which the main premise is good triumphing over evil? Uh, it's a great question. And it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. I feel like in comics, police are often corrupt. Like, I feel like cops don't have a, a good – it's not like the cops have this pristine uh, background in comic books. Like think about yeah. like yeah, but Gotham I mean like City Green cops. Lantern or Space Cops, you know what I mean? There's a lot of different like uh, yeah, I guess. But I, I feel like if we're talking about like actual Scab, all Space Cops are bad. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about actual like police portrayals in comics and sort of breaking the 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 paradigm that we have in our society that that there's been so much uh, sort of looking at that and trying to change that in the in our real world. I don't know, like. I feel like so many stories come out of like all these cops are corrupt. I also think so. Jillian uh, adds here or the idea that heroes just turn criminals over to the police. Like, here's the thing is I look at it in comic books like that. And we're talking, I think very specifically about superhero comic books as it's a shortcut is essentially what it is because as soon as anybody pokes at that in any sort of plot line, it immediately becomes Wait, they can't do that. That person immediately yeah. gets off. All the criminals get let go. And there's plenty of stories about that. But you can't spend time with Spider-Man being like, whoop, got a bugger, on to the next thing where I fight Venom. And the cop being like, whoa, 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 whoa. If you hand him over, we got to do paperwork first. Come on, Spider-Man, let's do paperwork. That's just, it's not fun to read. And it's, again, it's like it's a writing shortcut more than anything. And I yeah. don't know what the other option is. Other yeah, than honestly, the Flash, with throwing them in his own private prison where they feed them burgers every day. Wow. <laughs> uh, that show seems like it's making a lot of sense. And I, I feel like there's such a, <laughs> even a shorter shorthand with it now where it's just like, we don't even see the police like arrest the criminals. Like they're always just like, like, all right, bye. And they're like tied up or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's go back here. This is Edward Doherty. If you had to dress as something from the past year's pop culture offerings for Halloween, what would it be? Oh, squid, squid game, bro. Oh, Me and the whole yeah, squid squad yeah. are going dressed up as squid Jeez. game. 
Don't tell people that. It's such a good idea, Alex. I think you oh, should. Oh, thank you. I came up with it first. Um, I guess uh, probably the dog from the first episode of Ted Lasso this season. <laughs> I'd go as the dog for the last episode of yeah, Ted Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go for... Uh... Well, let me throw this out, and this is spoiling what my family's uh, uh, Halloween costume is. Ooh. Um, my two daughters are going as Bluey and Bingo from Bluey. Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, pretty good. Two daughters, similar age, similar uh, temperaments as the characters in Bluey. Bluey, great cartoon series for anyone of any age. Really? Sit there and cry. Oh, honestly, there are some episodes, I'll tell you about them, Pete, that are yeah. so good. Very good show. Okay. I'm going as Bandit, uh, the dad in Bluey. And, okay. of course, there's the mom in Bluey named Chili. And my wife, naturally, is going as Mayor of Easttown. <laughs> for real? Yep. It's going to be... <laughs> The three of us are characters in Bluey, and she's going as mayor of Easttown. Wow. <laughs> are you guys all right? You doing We're all right. right. She was just like, I want to be mayor of Easttown. They're like, the kids, uh, you've already told them they could be Bluey and Bingo, and you already have a costume for me as the dad from Bluey. And she's like, I'm going as mayor of Easttown. I'm like, so we're going to go trick-or-treating, the three of us matching, and you're going to have a vape and a car hard on next week? <laughs> That's awesome. It's oh, very funny. Good. I love yeah. it. We are we just talking Halloween costumes? Is that what's going on? I don't know that me and my wife are going to dress up. My well, the question was about you know what would you oh dress what as you culture. would dress up yeah. as, and I was just saying we yeah. actually happen to be doing it in a very yes. <laughs> ridiculous way. I don't know, probably Ted Lasso or Squid no. Game, one of those two. <laughs> uh, what about you, Pete? What are you going? Uh, I don't know. I I usually. Uh... Uh, support one of my brother's kids and uh you know go as what they're going as you do the same costume like do you try to do a better version of their costume no i don't try to do a better version You're like I just like come on kid this is the real costume oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, hot dog again says stray bullet yeah I, it, you know i have been a hot dog in the past you know i'm not above maybe, hot dog yet maybe yeah. change up the toppings hmm. never you could uh you know, it'd be kind of fun is like if you saw a garden and then you could run through the garden as the hot dog, Chicago style. You know yeah. About. yeah. Philly? yeah Isn't the Philly hot dog like with you cut in half and put something weird in it? I don't know. Like rat poison or something. Uh, we got two more quick ones here. This is from Jolene, Refandome, and the Batman. When do you think we will ever get a live-action Batman movie that as all ages as something like Batman the Animated Series? This was one of the announcements at DC Fandom that I felt very mixed about is Bruce Tim, Matt Reeves, and J.J. Abrams are collaborating on essentially a new Batman the Animated Series, which when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, that sounds great. They'll probably do a great job. And then Bruce Tim described it as what they always wanted to do on Batman the Animated Series, but weren't allowed to do because of the network censors. And I was like, oh, boy, I don't know about that one. Yeah. So. <laughs> Plus, like, it's a kids' show. What were they like? We have to do this. Yeah, we got to show tits. We want to see more just, tits on the show. I, I just like, don't understand. No. Like, what? That was so award-winning and like touched so many people's lives that you're like, oh, now we can finally do what you wanted. No, what you did was amazing. Do mm -hmm. more of that. Well, I'm sure. Like it. It sounds bad, but I feel like the idea is like we this show is so 
revered like we want to do an even a show where you, we have even more creative control so the impulse yeah. is what it is but the way it comes across is like you didn't see all the fucked up stuff <laughs> and now you can oh, man. yes uh and we got one last one thoughts on that flash armageddon trailer pete did you like the i i think there was a tarp in that trailer that was pretty cool that i was yeah. pretty much into yeah, I, I, when I see a tarp, I'm like, leave it there. Don't pull yeah, it leave it there. Don't pull it off. Yeah, it's where the expression flying. "don't pull on the tarp" comes from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, I'm always walking around no, throwing. No, I didn't that. like it. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I'll probably rent it eventually. Nice. Rent it? Big news! He's gonna rent it from a blockbuster. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Beats gonna rent. Yeah, did you? Uh, I'm saying when the it's online, I'll Black Lightning's in it. it. You like Black Lightning, right? That that is, yeah, that is really awesome. That part was cool. I the love the idea of tarp Pete. and the guy playing light. You know, Flash. I don't like him. I feel like this is very Pete for you. Still go to your local video store and rent videos because you just feel bad. So you go down there. You know the clerk super well. Hey, do you have um, Top Gun? <laughs> <laughs> they give you a microwave popcorn with every five rentals. Oh, yeah. Good times. All right, we're going to move on with our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePay. Oh, are we sure that's a good idea? Nope. All nope. right, this is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win $25 free dollars in the form of a gift card to Midtown Comics Online. So... You know, if you had 25 bucks, you would go and get yourself some online comics. So who would like 25 free dollars? A simple uh, first hand up, a little a yo, raising of the uh, hand. Me, me, please. Um, Alex sucks. Anything that'll just, you know, Should we let us give know. it up to charity again this week. And what about anybody over on YouTube? Yeah, anybody on YouTube, just say, me, 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 me. Great. This is going great. It's it's surprising to me how uh, everyone feels bad, I guess, for doing it. Uh, But you can do it. We want you to do it. (laughs) This is clearly the best section of the show, though, so it's good. All right, we don't have any volunteers this week. Stray bullies. Oh, Kevin's going to go. Here we go. Kevin? Bringing Kevin in. Kevin. Yeah. Hopefully Kevin doesn't give us Oh, Michael Bramwell on Twitter on YouTube said a he'd do it a couple of seconds too late. Michael, please do it the next time or come over to Crowdcast the next time and it'll be a little easier. Uh, meanwhile <laughs> Kevin is accepting connecting this is going very well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and another uh, person on YouTube, a King McCartney, also sent me there we go. Okay. All right. Oh. All right. All right. Ooh, there we go. Yeah, so to the folks on YouTube who volunteered, just say me a little quicker the next time and we'll get it done. But we'll Kevin, Kevin, you have any you? Uh, puppets or anything you wanted to show off before we get started? Or Well, there were actually were a few that I didn't get to last time and I didn't have them right to hand, but let me dig these a Dig through the old out. puppet stack. Yeah, did the old. There's just dead bodies on that couch next to you, and you're uh, uh, pretty much. <laughs> oh man, it's creepy. Oops. 
Oh, we're getting one ready. Wow. Wow. What is that? A snail. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay that makes okay. sense. Hi. Is that a known snail or is that a snail of your own creation? Uh, no, it's um from a place that does a pop-up at, in Union, or at least in the before time, did a pop-up in Union Square every Christmas. Oh, and, and one of those little hot them. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a nice sheep. I have it's questions nice why you need those puppets so quickly at hand on a regular basis, but he, I won't ask it's, them. It's part of his Zoom meeting. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when he does Zooms, he just keeps them fresh. Mm. All right, yeah. here we go. Uh, today's trivia is on topical comic news and the small nod to the legend Rutger Hauer. All right, please listen to all three options before making your selection. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Question number one. Who is getting their own solo title and will be back to their lawyer ways? Is it A, Foggy Nelson, B, She-Hulk, or is it C, Catherine Mary Stewart? <laughs> so it's either A and you're incorrect, or it's B, although you probably feel like Foggy definitely should get his own There's, comic book well, at this point. I, I know you you would love to see that, but yeah, I I knew it was She-Hulk. All right, great. Here we go. Question in what number two. dystopian world would there ever be a Foggy Nelson standalone lawyer cop? Peace. You, come on. You're man. making fun of your the man. The drama is all right there in the title. Here we go. Who is turning 30 in 2022? Is it A, Nelson and Murdoch, B, Image Comics, or is it C, Billy D. Williams? So it's either A, don't pick it, or it's B, clearly Image Comics. It's Image. Oh, yeah, it's Image. That's right. Congratulations. Uh, Here we go. Last one. In February... 2022 which of dc's newest heroes is getting their own title is it a lucius fox as we all know the foggy nelson of dc or b monkey prince or is it c jelly bean benitez so it's either a or you could pick b and get yourself 25 free dollars well i'm gonna pick b I'm it's also going to Prince. note that you went BBB to throw off. That's right. I did. Everybody. Wow. And uh, do you know what movie we are referencing right now, Kevin? I don't oh, know it's, it's the Sly Stallone classic Nighthawks. There you go. Wow. The 1981 smash hit. Night Amazing. Hawk. Kevin, congratulations. You've won a $25 <laughs> gift card to Midtown Comics. Thanks for jumping in. We'll check you next time. All right. Keep at right. <laughs> oh, Hi, Kev. Hard cut off on the music. Fun's <laughs> over when Alex comes back. <laughs> Click. Okay. Well, thanks for coming. Um, get out of here. Thanks yeah, for go, go, go. Other go, go, go. Uh, I have other uh, stuff to do. Uh, as we all know, comic books are cool. What are you looking yes. forward to that is coming out this week, Pete? Holy shit. A lot. Okay. First, there's Catwoman Lonely City number one, then oh, Black Manta number thing. two, Thor okay. number 18. Batman and Catwoman number eight. What a week. What a week. Justin, what are you looking forward to? Please, no description about any of the books. No problem. I'm looking forward to clouds. Uh, I'm looking forward to cars. I'm looking forward to stars. Looking Uh, forward to Marvel and DC. (laughs) 
Um, I'm looking forward to the, the death of Doctor Strange number two. Mm. So a fun reveal at the last the end of the first issue, and this is sort of a weird book. I like the take we're doing strange, here. Strange, you would say? It's strange. Doctor Strange, um, written by Jed McKay, a writer who I feel like is doing a lot of great work. Really love the Black Cat stuff that Jed's been doing. Um, Def, check it out. I'm looking forward to Made in Korea number five from Image oh. Comics. This has been a very upsetting read yeah. about a burgeoning AI who is trapped in a child's body, gone through some very dark turns yes. over the past couple of the issues. And it's just a really interesting, very thoughtful, but upsettingly thoughtful sci-fi story. <laughs> it's just very, very unique. Like the characters mm -hmm. deviate from the premise uh, in, in great, interesting ways. It feels like it's super originally told. And we're going to be talking about all of those books in our Stack podcast that is in the Comic Book Club feed and also at its own dedicated Stack feed every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. And folks, that is it for this week's show. A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Olivia Stevens for coming on. Don't forget to pick up Artie and the Wolf Moon. Also, Mark Sable, Chaotic Neutral, is on Kickstarter right now. Next week, we're going to have another great show for you guys. Douglas Wolk is going to be here to talk about all of the Marvels. Also, Dwayne Murray and Sean Daly are going to be here to talk about Top Shelf's A Better Place. So it should be a very, very cool show. Very cool. Tons of podcasts to check out. Why the Cast Man? Why the Cast Man? Why the Last Man podcast still coming, even if the show is canceled. That comes out on Mondays. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast is temporarily on hiatus, but coming Marvel. back very soon. Riverdale After Dark, a Riverdale podcast. We've talked about that a lot already. You should check that out. Yeah. Also, Lock and Key Unlocked, our uh, Lock and Key podcast. It's coming back, season two on this Friday. We're going to have Woo! daily episodes for you all, so definitely check that out. Star I Guys, our Stargirl podcast, still weekly, sometimes. Patreon.com slash Comic Book Club to support the show and all the shows we do. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, ComicBookClubLive.com for this show and many, many more. Until next time, good night. Good night, everybody. Take care.